adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation, oh, sing all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee, born this happy morning, Jesus to appearing oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him It's on now. So with all that said, we're really glad you're here. And we've come, <laughs> we've come here to worship God. And so let's continue as we bring glory to God. 
What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him love, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such me? Estate where ox and ass are sleeping. Good Christians before sinners hear the silent word is bleeding. This, this is Christ the King who shall. congregation, uh, a community of believers uh, from whom we take uh, encouragement from day to day and week to week. Continue to be with us in this service, O oh Lord. Continue to be with the singing, be with Brother Spencer in his remarks. On this first day of winter, we're aware of the change of seasons and, and how good it is to uh, temper the the seasons as we go along. Thank you for the rains this past week. Father, as, as we're blessed in, in life, at the same time we're, as individuals in the community, shocked and saddened this week by another homicide in our community. A, a woman familiar to many and who grew up here and was a teacher. And uh, we don't understand these things, but uh, we pray that, that you'll surround the family with your love and, and keeping. We also pray for these church members who are 
in poor health or failing, Janie Russell, Harley Staley, Evelyn Perry, Chris Brown, Sharon Kennison, Gail Kennedy, Alexis Cowan, Jerry and Diane McFadden, Sherry Welch, Pat Hauser, Glenn and Joy Barnett, Roy Jones, Laurie Beckman, Adrian Casey, John White, Mark Jones, Christy Anthony, Lance Johnson, Chris Stewart. We continue to go with us in this service, Lord. Be with uh, the ones who are to continue on. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I'd like for you to stand if you would while we sing O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, oh, night
for the Lord's Supper, let's sing, He Leadeth Me. <clears throat> he leadeth me, oh blessed thought, oh words with heavenly comfort fraught. Oh, oh, oh. 
case anybody gets confused, I'm not James Hanley. But he called and asked me to take his place. Our Heavenly Father, we come before thee to partake of this that you asked us to do to remember you, our Savior. Jesus Christ, as you hung on the cross to take away our sins and give us eternal life, we now partake of this loaf to remember your body that you gave for us. Let us take it in a way well manner unto thee, and with all praise unto thee. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In like manner, we come before this, at this time, O oh Lord, to partake of this, the fruit of the vine, that reminds us that you shed your blood to give us forgiveness. Let us partake of it in a well-mannered way, and remember that it is you who gave us eternal life and forgiveness of sins. For in Jesus' name we pray.
I'm sure all of you, as my family has also, counted our many blessings. We've had surgeries in our family and they've turned out well. We've had eye surgeries and they've turned out well. We can't thank you, Lord, enough for all that we've gotten and been given. Heavenly Father, we come unto thee now with thanksgiving in our heart, joy unto thee, and to worship you for all that you do for us and have given us. Let us return to thee a token of that which we have purposed in our hearts to return that the work may be done and that the, your word may be spread in many souls will come unto thee. For we ask it in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, 
now dismissed for the children from ages 2 to kindergarten for uh, children's worship and the special offering for Brazil. And as we do that, we'll continue standing and sing in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease, my Oh, 
Now, can you hear me a little better? Uh, if, if you would ever like to really be inspired by hearing songs sang to God and to each other, come sit on the front. Uh, thanks to all of you who helped to uh, praise God today and to lift me up uh, from down here. I also would like to say a word of thanks to these guys who sit in that booth back there and try to control all of this mechanical stuff. Uh, I am very appreciative to them. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for those of us who can't hear to hear, and sometimes this stuff just acts up, and it's not really their fault. Sometimes the preacher forgets to turn it on. And so uh, I'm really thankful to them. Um, <clears throat> there are many people who do many things in this church. I love this church, and I've been here nearly 38 years. There are only a few people that were here when I first came. But this church has been home to me. It has been family to me. It has been the people that I love. And for all that you've done for me, I am grateful to you. Patrick is out of town today. He asked me to speak in his place. <clears throat> so I have a good excuse. I'm not a preacher. And so you can't hold me uh, to quite the standards you do him. So I get a break. At this time of the year, a lot of the world, a lot of the world is thinking about Jesus. They're singing songs about Jesus. They picture Jesus as a little baby in a manger and they think even of things that he did as an adult and walked the earth and the hope that he brought to man. That is great. Because my thinking is that all of Scripture really points to Jesus and that we really ought to be thinking about Jesus every day and all the time. And so today I want us to think in a little different way about Jesus and so for just a minute, if I were to ask you your question, this question, <clears throat> if Jesus were alive and on the earth today, how do you picture him in your mind? I want you to just think about that for a minute. What kind of person would he be? How would he be known in the community if he lived in Paris, Texas? What would people say about him? What is your image of him? 
I think it's terribly important that we think about those things because after all, he is the person that we are following. He is the person that we are striving to be. So what I want us to do first today is look at a few examples out of Scripture of how Jesus interacted with people. Now there are many things we could look about Jesus. We could see that at times, well, at all and always, he was obedient to the Father. We could see at times he spent time alone, praying and fasting. He spent time alone with his disciples. He spent time with the multitudes. There's a lot of things we could see about him, but I want to take a few instances out of the Gospels and take a look at them. Because if our goal as a Christian is really to be like Jesus, then we have to know what he looked like. So let's take a look. Beginning, uh, first of all, I think we'll look at um, well, let, let me uh, let me see, because I'm having to change up a little bit, realizing that things are um, a little different here. Let's, let's look in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 11, and Mark chapter 6. This is right after the beheading of John. People were coming to his disciples and to him. They were taking up so much time that they didn't even have time to eat. So Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in the boat, let's go across the lake to a lonely place. Take some time off. So they get in a boat and they start across the lake, but the people realize where they're going and they run around the lake and beat them there. And when Jesus arrived and the crowd and the masses were there, he had compassion on them and he welcomed them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He taught them of the kingdom of God and he cured those who had need of healing. And then he fed 5,000 people. So I want us to think, even when Jesus was worn out, even when he was tired, and the masses showed up looking to him for, for help and direction, he took the time for them because these people were like sheep without a shepherd. There are a lot of people today who are lost and without direction. And we all live busy lives. And the question is, do we as followers of Jesus take the time to help people in that way? Do we take time even uh, when it's not planned and it sneaks up on us? I want us to think a minute because we first see Jesus uh, after his birth. We see him as a 12-year-old in the temple. His parents had come to the Passover and they left him there uh, by accident. They thought he was with some of the relatives. They get out a day's journey and they realize he is not there. And so um, uh, after a day, they go back I guess that took a day, and then they searched for him all over Jerusalem, and finally they find him in the temple after three days. 
And for three days, as a 12-year-old, he has been in the temple. He's been asking questions. He's been listening to the teachers. And he's been giving answers that amazed them. So his parents come and says, don't you know what you've done to us? That's what most of us would say when we find our child lost in the mall. Don't you know what you've done? You've scared me to death. And Jesus looks at them and says, don't you know I have to be about my father's business or I have to be in my father's house. As a 12-year-old, Jesus realized why he was here. And so the question is, do we realize how we are? And do we teach our children that that's what they're here for, to be about the business of Jesus? Jesus was compassionate. He was kind. He taught those multitudes that were like sheep without a shepherd. He restored sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. He fed the hungry. And in all of that, in all of that, Jesus said to those people, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's kind of the person he was. And the multitudes came to him by the droves. Now the religious people were about the only people that fought him. And they were about the only people that Jesus spoke roughly about and to. So our question is, as individual followers of Jesus, is that what we want to look like? Is that what we want the message to be to people? <clears throat> so look in, in now in Luke chapter 13. There is a woman there who has a spirit of infirmity and she has had it for 18 years. She is bent over and cannot straighten up. And Jesus sees her and he heals her. The problem was Jesus did it on the Sabbath. And so the rulers were, uh, the ruler of the synagogue was very upset. In fact, scripture says that he was indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the people, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath. Now Jesus uh, was quite upset by that. He called him a hypocrite. And he says, how many of you would not take your donkey or your oxen and untie him and lead him to water? And you don't want to loose this woman from the devil. Jesus said in Matthew 12 that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that Jesus himself was Lord of the Sabbath. 
So you see, the Pharisees were very concerned about getting all the laws of God right and keeping the Sabbath. But they sometimes misinterpreted those laws and they put so much emphasis on their correctness that they forgot to loose the person who was bound in sickness or some infirmity. But Jesus clearly saw that and he restored that woman. If you, if you will uh, look then in John chapter 4, there's a, a woman from Samaria. She's come to draw water from the well of Jacob. Jesus' disciples have gone to get something to eat, and Jesus is at the well. And when she shows up, he says to her, give me a drink. The woman was quite confused because you see Jews and Samaritans didn't mingle. The Jews would even walk around Samaria so they didn't have to go through it. They weren't considered quite up to snuff as the Jews were in their relationship to God. They worshipped in another place. The woman herself even says in verse 9, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The Jews who were God's people thought they were remaining pure and they were being holy when they didn't mingle with the Samaritans and so this woman is confused. First of all, not only is she a woman, but she's a Samaritan. And Jewish men didn't deal with women or Samaritans. And Jesus just demonstrates here that there's a difference. His disciples are even confused uh, because in verse 27, um, he says, uh, when they returned, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Now, we know that they thought it because it's mentioned what they did not say. But what they were thinking was, why is he talking with her? And what's he doing? So they were confused about this kingdom that God was bringing and this hope that he was bringing to women and even to Samaritans. So I wonder sometimes, as a follower of Jesus, are there groups sometimes that I wonder, well, there's no need to talk to them or we shouldn't be talking to them. And I wonder sometimes if we underestimate. Because you see what happened. Jesus offered this woman living water and hope. And he really explained to her who he was. She went and told other people that she believed this was the Christ. The one they had been looking for. The Messiah. And so many people came and heard. And as a result of that woman's testimony, it says in the following verses, many came to believe in Jesus. He saw people differently and he saw them with no labels and no boundaries and no borders. They wanted him to stay so bad, he stayed. He didn't just pass through Samaria. He stayed for two days. And they shouted after that and they were glad and told the woman, we don't just believe because of your words now, but we've heard him. 
So they became many believers. In Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to you... Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands upon them. You see, even his disciples misunderstood. Because they thought that the children were disrupting Jesus. Maybe they thought it was a waste of time, these little children. They don't understand this anyway. But Jesus wanted the children to come to him. And Jesus now had the same attitude that the ruler of the synagogue had about him healing on the Sabbath. When they thought these children are just getting in the way, he was indignant. Let them come to me. And he touched them and he blessed them. Well, we are really blessed in this congregation. I don't know if you know it, but there are five babies due in January. And there's some more after that. And I'm really glad. And I hope as a family that all of us welcome them and say, come to me, and we touch them. I'm telling you, there are a lot of children in this church who know Hugh and Jean Anthony. Because Hugh is always getting them to give him a hug. He can get some of my grandchildren to give a hug that I can't even get one from. But Jean is not going to let him get ahead of her. So Jean packs a little candy in her purse. And every Sunday those children go to her. And I think that is an image of Jesus. So let's don't worry about disruptions as much as we do about welcoming those who really demonstrate what it means to be in the kingdom. And then in Mark chapter 10... There's a blind man outside of Jericho. He's a beggar. And he sits by the roadside. And Jesus, along with his disciples and a great multitude of people, are traveling down that road. And when the blind man, Bartimaeus, hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him telling him to be silent. So here's this blind, dirty beggar who's sitting in the side of the road and he's disrupting the master, the rabbi, the teacher. He's interrupting us. Give him reverence and he's going along. But they tell him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And Jesus called him. He threw off his mantle and he ran to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus restored his sight. And you know, maybe the blind beggar understood the prophecies about Jesus that said one of the things was that he would restore the blind. He would give sight to the blind. And he knew 
that Jesus was merciful. These people who were with him perhaps were more caught up in the glory of the mission than the man they were following. So the last one I want us to look at is in John chapter 8. There is a woman caught in adultery. Jesus is in the temple teaching. The Pharisees bring this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. So she's guilty. And they bring her to Jesus and they say, according to the law of Moses, we stone this woman to death. What do you say? I think I'm going to read that text. Let me read it from the Bible, from John chapter 8. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses... In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such. What do you say about her? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the eldest. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus looked up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. So here's the Pharisees who are very concerned. Now, first of all, they're not really even concerned about this woman at all. They're not really concerned at this point about the law of Moses. They just want to trap Jesus. Now, they were very concerned about keeping the law of Moses. In fact, that's why they want to get rid of Jesus. They need a charge against him to say he's violating the law of Moses so they can get rid of him and prove he's not really God. In fact, one time they even say, he surely couldn't be of God because he heals on the Sabbath. But look at Jesus. Because what Jesus does is Jesus looks at the woman because the law of God was never meant to overlook the person. And so he looks into her and he looks at them and he throws them a hard question. We don't really know what he wrote in the ground, but it's interesting that they left beginning with the oldest. And so Jesus looks at her then and says, Where are those who would condemn you? And he says, neither do I. Does that mean Jesus didn't think it was wrong to commit adultery? No, it does not. It never did. And we need to understand clearly that Jesus is the embodiment of the teachings of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. So whatever we think the law of God says, whatever we think Scripture says, if it doesn't look like Jesus, we have misinterpreted it. Must be interpreted through the living Word, Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 23, 
Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. He says, You tithe, deal, mint, and cumin. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, faith and justice and mercy. Now, Jesus never said it wasn't important to tithe those little tiny things, that the Pharisees were very careful to do that. They were very careful to do the letter of the law, but what they had done is they had missed the heart. They had missed justice, which relieved the oppressed. They had, they had missed the fairness and justice. They had lost faith in really God and were putting faith in themselves that they were good keepers of the law. And they didn't have mercy on people. But Jesus said to them, you should have done these without neglecting the others. So we as followers today should always understand this. It's never okay to not do what God says. It is important that we do everything we understand God wants us to do. But we have to be, in caref we have to be careful that sometimes we don't spend so much time making sure that we correct wrong and we get right everything that we overlook the people that the law was intended to redeem. And I think that's what Jesus did. So, in conclusion, I just want us to think as an individual Christian, you've come here today to worship God. Now, are you a Christian because you just claim the name to believe in Jesus and you don't believe in Muhammad or Buddha or somebody else is the God? Or are you a Christian because you go to church every Sunday? Or are you a Christian because you've been baptized? All of those things may be important but are you a Christian because you are a true follower of Jesus? And I'm telling you, I have to ask myself sometimes, do I really want to follow Jesus or do I just kind of want to be a Christian and be kind of as good as everybody else and not do anything real bad? The question for each of us as an individual is, are we really a disciple? Are we really a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 that everyone who is fully taught will be like his teacher. And so a disciple is a follower striving to be what his teacher is. And in Ephesians chapter 1 he says that we, as the body of Jesus, as the church, are the body of Jesus and the fullness of Him who fills in all in all. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says that we are to re reach mature manhood and grow into the fullness and the stature of Jesus. Sometimes the world and culture has distorted our idea of being a follower of Jesus. It's like we don't really have to do much. Come to church, don't do anything real bad, believe certain things, 
get some doctrinal issues correct, and we're in. Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So are we really striving to follow Jesus? And as a body here, do people in town see us as individuals first? Because individuals make up this body. But do people see us like you imagine you see Jesus? Do we see him like we see Jesus in Scripture? Do they see us that way? I think there have been times that this church has been a great demonstration of Jesus. And there are people in here that I look at and I see Jesus. But each of us must be challenged. Are we really following Jesus? The Pharisees were very careful to, be, to follow the law and to get things right. But Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter 23... <clears throat> that the Pharisees, he said about them, he said, they bind heavy burdens that are hard to bear and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with a finger. As a church, it is not our job to just tell people all of the things that make their life even harder, but don't help them understand the hope and the life of Jesus. We must be a people like in Galatians chapter 6 when we are told in verse 2 to bear one another's burdens, not just bind burdens upon them that are too heavy to carry. And so Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, if you are here and your life is without direction, or you have some burden, Jesus is here to do it. And hopefully, we as a body, the living body of Jesus, right now in the flesh, will be here to help you with that burden and bear it with you, just as Jesus would if he were here. There may be some of you here who have never really committed to being a follower of Jesus. You're thinking about it. He is the one who can offer hope and life and give you direction. Lean upon him and do that. If you have never come to faith to believe he is really who he said he was, that he is really the Son of God who came to earth, if you've never been buried with him in baptism to rise and walk a new life, you need to do that. You need to commit your life to him. Rise up out of the waters of baptism and walk in that new life. So with God's help, whatever our need is, we can all become more and more like Jesus. I want to read a final verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding, or some versions read reflecting the glory of God, or being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. 
For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I believe when we come and fall at the feet of Jesus, call upon his mercy, become a true disciple of Jesus, he has sent his Spirit to help us and to transform us every day to look more like Jesus. Is that what you want? Is that what we as a church, so can we as a church begin to envision and to see that the real model of what we're following is Jesus, our teacher. So if you have any reason today that you need to fall at the feet of Jesus, we'd ask you to come while we stand and sing. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk, dear Lord, close to Keep
You can be seated. Just have a little family news I want to share with the congregation. Uh, remember this week there'll be no midweek service. Uh, Pat Hauser uh, has been moved uh, from the hospital to uh, Stillhouse. She's in room 38D. Uh, if you remember her and, and Johnny and visit them. Um, also, um, Sharon Kennison, uh, she's still on third floor, is that correct? She's gone home? Okay, I, I'm behind. Uh, but remember Sharon as she uh, rehabs from uh, knee surgery. Um, New Year's Eve, there'll be a devotional and singing here at the building at 7 o'clock. Uh, I ask that you bring um, games uh, to that, and there'll be fellowship uh, to bring in the New Year's. So if you don't have plans on New Year's, need a place to go for good, clean fellowship, uh, we hope you come here. Um, Sharon Finley will be having um, a heart cath done, actually, on Tuesday. Uh, doesn't really have to do with checking for blockage, but most of y'all know Sharon has had some breathing issues for several years, and this is a procedure that will be done uh, to try to uh, find out exactly what's going on with that. And she may possibly even have to have another procedure done while she's there, and she will be in Dallas at that time. So let's remember uh, Sharon and Cleve, uh, and that'll be Tuesday. Um, any of those that have helped with the food baskets, uh, for those uh, that we help every year, we thank you for that, uh, for your time and your uh, effort and your heart in doing that. Uh, if, um, if you were nominated to get a basket, um, there is uh, the ham that goes along with that, I think is in the foyer. Uh, if you nominated someone and you signed up to deliver that basket. Those are ready in the foyer. Um, and Nikki is out there at this time and, and we thank her um, for all the work that she did and any of y'all that helped with that. That's great work and needed in this community. That's it. If y'all will all stand, we will be dismissed. If you're visiting with us today, we are happy that you took the opportunity to be here. If you're here visiting family for the holidays, I thank you for being here, and I know that you will enjoy the holiday season. And if you're traveling and on the road, we ask that God give you speed that you be safe. So if you will bow, we will be dismissed. Father, we thank you again that we've had this opportunity today to be here. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we do thank you that you bless us in, in so many ways. And Father, earlier we was mentioned several of our number that are experiencing health issues, Father, and we can continue to lift them up to you. And Father, we ask that you continue to be with them and that you continue to lift them up. And Father, for Anyone that's traveling through these holidays, Father, I ask that you give them safe passage and, Father, that they may reach their destination safely and also, Father, that they may return home safely. Father, I ask that you be with us and that you 
watch over and care for us. And Father, that you continue to give us the strength that we need every day. For all this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, we have one more song. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of all. From angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angels' train have rolled two thousand years of wrong. And men at war with men hear not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hastening by, my prophet seen of old. When with the ever-circling years shall come the time foretold, when Now the angels sing. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless.